Welcome to the CKTH podcast. On this episode, we connect with my good friend, Akil County, a former coworker of mine and unquestionably an expert in his field of fashion, retail, and consumer products as a whole. Last time I saw Akil, we were snowshoeing around Mount Hood in Oregon, talking NBA, talking NFL. Always a good time with this guy. A creative powerhouse in his own right. We talk about some of Akil's most recent projects in music, in fashion, as well as his family's new coffee shop in New York. Big thank you to Akil and enjoy. Akil, how's it going? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. It was a good uh, good weekend here in Boston. Um, and uh, where in the world are you at the moment? I am in New York right now, based in Valley Stream, New York, right outside of Queens in Long Island. Nice. And uh, it's been some pretty nice weather over here. Uh, the city is kind of coming alive a little bit, which is... Uh, it's, it's really optimistic, you know, just to see people out, to see the sun out, to be able to not have to bundle up in a in a big uh, bubble coat. So no doubt. And, you know, obviously, like talk about just how different of an experience uh, this has been being in the city during all these times. Well, man, um, I mean, that's a deep question, but. You know, I mean, just surface surface level at, at minimum. To me, like the most interesting thing was, you know, like last year, this time, being like passing through the city or going into sit into the city to pick up something. And it was a ghost town. Um, and I grew up here in New York. And that's the first time in, in my whole life that I ever saw the streets look like that. Mm. And... Uh, fast forward a year later, now that we know a little bit more about COVID, now that um, people are a little bit more antsy to get out, now that vaccinations are a thing, the city seems more bustling than than ever. You know, there's like mm. lines outside of stores. I think people are just itching for something and you can kind of feel like the the top of the cap on the on the bottle, like ready to to blow off. Mm. Um, so it's on one hand, it's a beautiful thing to see. And on the other hand, you just hope that everybody's staying safe, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, at least hopefully, uh, in the spirit of staying safe, you know, like, like you're saying it, 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 it hopefully is it like, like a nice brief moment of Zen coming up here, at least for the summertime. Um, it certainly seems like everybody East Coast and West, but definitely East Coast. I feel like, per your comment about the, the the top of the bottle, it just seems like every single time the weather starts to turn turn the corner, East Coast people just like get kind of crazy. Yeah, everybody in New York always we we have a like short term memory when when it becomes spring and summer, everyone's like, oh my gosh, like thank God, like, and then when it becomes uh, winter. And it starts snowing. We all, it's all like we uh, 
see snow for the first time again every year. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny, but that's New York. I wouldn't really have it any other way. I think it keeps the city pretty interesting. I don't know what it would be like for me to live in a climate that's like, you know, it's it's within the same area of of weather and degrees all year round. That would mm. that might freak me out a little bit. I might go a little crazy. Well, you know, don't go to San Diego then. <laughs> I could probably do it for a few months, but you know, I I actually like the cold, man. This this year particularly, you know, I've learned to really enjoy that kind of crisp air for some reason. It it is nice, and that to your point, that crispness uh, as a native San Diegan. It's just not something that's there as much on the on the West Coast. Yeah. Maybe the Pac Northwest. I mean, we've both been to Portland before. It's got mm-hmm. a little bit of that going on. It's got it's got some of that going on, for sure, for sure. But there's like a mistiness or something in the air in Portland that's not the same as East Coast, I think. Yeah, it's not, man. And I think just with the public transportation out here and how how that's like just really something that so many people do here more than any other city. You experience that cold weather so much more, you know, Mm. Uh, like you're commuting all the time. You're in the city, you would walk 20 blocks. That's not, that's really not out of the ordinary, you know? Right. So you're really experiencing it. I think just in a, you get really close to it. You know, so you are a native New Yorker, a true Yorker, I guess, as sometimes uh-huh. people say. Uh, where exactly in the city, like, would you call like your home base? Um, Valley Stream is home base. It's where I lay my head down. Um, that's and that is in Long Island, Nassau County, a hop, skip, and a jump from Rosedale, Queens. So. It's always been pretty easy for me to to bounce around to all different parts of the city. Uh, I was born in Brooklyn, live and I spent like a good amount of my childhood there, mm. and kind of the second and and a large part of my life in Long Island as well. But I was going to school in Queens. I was going to school in Long Island. Um, I've one of my first jobs was downtown and I, I've had jobs in Far Rockaway. So really, I feel like a nomad within the city, but mm-hmm. Valley Stream is a, a home base. I feel yeah. super comfortable in Long Island, in, in uh, Manhattan downtown. But, you know, being born in Brooklyn, spending time in Brooklyn, I'm always going to call that like that's my birthplace. Like I'm always going to call that like home as well. And, and where do you weigh in on not to skip forward a bit? Cause we want to talk about sports uh, a little bit, but where do you weigh in on the, the nets all of a sudden versus like the city formally kind of being exclusively belonging to the Knicks? Um, you know, I, I'm not mad at the nets, right? Uh, I think this is always going to be, a Knicks town. Everybody loves the garden. Like, first of all, Madison Square Garden in itself is one of, if not 
the biggest landmark in the city. So that that's never going to change. But I welcome the Nets with open arms because I think Brooklyn deserves something. Uh, I don't know what the last team we had was. You know, the Dodgers moved out of out of here so long ago, and it does not hurt to have KD, Kyrie, and Harden. Man, like, mm-hmm. come on, because you know if they win the championship, so many people that were hating on them from here, they're gonna jump on that bandwagon. So, and, and don't sleep, don't sleep on Blake Griffin. Now, I mean, the guy's not done yet. He's not done yet. I I got I, I got to see some more from him though. I got, some of my friends are Blake Griffin fans. I'm I'm not so quick to, you know, to I don't know, think that he's going to have this this great comeback, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, I think it is fair to say that his skill as a player, again, not to go down the rabbit hole of sports too too deeply here, but mm-hmm. His skill as a player for sure gets overlooked, I think, because of just him being who he was, which is like kind of to say Aaron Gordon in the dunk contest before Aaron Gordon was in the yeah. dunk contest. Yeah, no, he has. I'm I'm very impressed with uh, his IQ. You know, he's he's really he's really a vet. And I don't know if that comes from playing with Chris Paul those years, but he he really knows how to play the game and he knows how to play his role. Yeah. Which is one of the most important things. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, all right. So you are, um, I would certainly say, an expert in your field, somebody who is uh, tapped into the consumer space, to the retail space, to the fashion space. Um, you know, and, and, and w- without question, you've probably accumulated a lot of different experiences along the way that have kind of built up this knowledge base you have. Um, what was your first job out of curiosity? Man, first of all, thank you for putting it so eloquently. <laughs> you know, you're, you're working in a, in a uh, industry like the, the fashion industry. Uh, it, everything just happens so fast that you don't even think of it that way. But um, my first, first, first job was actually in a pool store, <laughs> like coming out of high school. And... That was interesting, though, because that just taught me how to deal with customers at a fast pace, angry, a lot of angry customers, because you can imagine working at a, a pool supply store, how many people in New York have just so many things going wrong with their pool. And, you know, when it's when it's, you know, 102 degrees in right. the middle of the July, all somebody wants to do is just like lay in their pool. So that was my first job. But um I think it was probably a few months later, uh, my first job was working at Atrium, mm. which no longer exists. Right. But uh, when I was working at Atrium, it it actually housed Kith hmm. um, in the back. So, you know, I was working like adjacent to and, and with like the original Kith team, which was cool. So shout out um, Nick, shout out Naya. Uh, and I, but I was working in stock and I kind of worked my way up, not in Atrium, but just like throughout the rest of my jobs. But working in Atrium um, definitely helped me get knowledge, definitely helped me uh, actually learn about product. It was cool being in the stock room because you're, 
you can actually have just so much more time with the product mm-hmm. than, I don't know, I feel like if you're on the floor and there was like no really, no real interruptions with that. Like I don't have to deal with customers so much, mm-hmm. but I would be able to kind of peek and look and see how uh, the salespeople were dealing with customers. So I was yeah. kind of learning in that way too. Yeah, that make, that makes sense. I mean, there's so much that goes into that customer experience once they kind of step, you know, onto the floor, so to speak. And, you know, there's a, there's a presentation element, there's a storytelling element, there's an interpersonal relationship side of things, as you know. And yeah. that makes, that makes sense because if, if you're, if you're able to be in the, in the back and really observe what makes a great product a truly beautiful, great product, that in and of itself, I think is just like a total eye opener. Absolutely. And you know, the one thing I love about my, my first job being like my first job in the fashion industry being at Atrium is that it wasn't a huge store. It wasn't a department store. It wasn't this huge chain. So I also learned the value of, of a tight knit community. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it was really like family, right? You know, so that kind of uh, set me up for a lot of my future jobs working in boutiques, and maybe I'm maybe I'm a bit spoiled because of that, because I only really had uh, I had more jobs being in that kind of tight knit community than being in one where it felt more of like a factory and turnover was crazy high. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not like you, it's not like you were cutting your teeth at like an Abercrombie spraying people down with cologne as they walk in the door. Yeah, no. And uh, also I was, I was super young. I was doing that and I was 18. So wow, I was the youngest person in the store or one of, so people kind of took me under their wing and right. um, looking back at it, you know, and even in the moment, I was always grateful for that, whether it was something that had to do with work or something that just had to do with like, um, you know, personal life. Hmm. So from the managers to to my uh, employees that I was working with, other, the other employees I was working with, I, I feel like I got a great bit of knowledge uh, being that being that young at that store. I mean, that's that's incredibly young uh especially to be exposed to you know a lot of the stuff that you obviously would get exposed to at a place like like atrium you know because as you and i both know and i think that 18 year olds today are way more up on just like everything but yeah you know back in the day you had to sort of bump into things yeah Um, you know and that was that was the only way and it's still the same like you, you have to discover stuff but like you really had to kind of bump into things back in the day I mean, man, it was the beginning of of Instagram, and I, I remember that was like when I had my first account. Wow! I was working at Atrium, like that was the beginning of everything, and it was a completely different platform then. Right. So what you, you're talking like 2011, 2012, or something? Yeah. Mm. Those are the days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it was great, and but you, you make a good point. Like bumping into stuff is was like my greatest form of education. I think I'm just like a naturally curious person. So that train ride into the city, um, 
the 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 changing neighborhoods with like every three stops um you know my lunch break walking outside seeing different stores uh after work walking outside seeing different stores stopping at at this restaurant or you know all that was extremely valuable to me and it kind of um just i guess heightened my my sense of awareness within the neighborhood Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you and I met obviously in a in a kind of coworker capacity for a time and and I you know st- straight out the gate I think, you know, f- from that experience I remember walking in and just immediately knowing that like not only did everybody in that crew um and shout out to all those guys it would be great for you to kind of, you know, give them a little name check but Everybody in that crew kind of understood how to play off of the other guy and almost like it was like a tight knit basketball team or something like that. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, man, everybody, everybody really played their role. And I think it was just a natural thing when you have different personalities in a space and no one was really like none of these personalities were too overbearing or wanted to take over. We realized that we were blessed to be together and blessed to be in the neighborhood and um, blessed to have the kind of client base we did. I think it was just natural. And so shout out like everybody, shout out Jake, Elliot, Basil, Alexis, um, Cobb, so on, so forth, everybody who you worked with and I worked with, it, it was just amazing. When you, when two heads work better than one and it really kind of felt more like, it felt like more like a think tank, mm-hmm. you know? We would just pick each other's brains about any and everything. When you spend so much time with somebody and it's in the creative environment, Anything that creative that's going on or anything in our personal lives that's going on, a lot of the times that just overlaps and turns into conversation. And, you know, we, we grew together. That was definitely my takeaway where, yeah. I, you know, like, um, and especially just like observing, you know, as, as that three or four day experience kind of unfolded and, you know, you had specific people that had really, you know, real relationships with everybody and to just like see that exchange um, is really, I think how consumer kind of interactions need to be sort of tailored more towards. Um, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And also shout out Chuck Donovan, Francis, everybody there honestly was a big homie. Also shout out Chris Schusler. I think, it was when I first stepped into um, that place of work, you immediately felt just something different mm-hmm. and it wasn't based off of product, no. but it was, it was based off of um, personnel. Yeah. And that was a place like if, if Atrium was, was um the place where I was kind of cutting my teeth and like just kind of being a rookie, learning everything wide-eyed. Uh, 
Snow Peak, it was the place where I started to learn the importance of of having a space that that wasn't so fast paced, where you can actually talk to a customer, learn about a customer, have them learn about you, talk to your your coworker, and not feel like there's any rush or ulterior motive or right. it was strictly about sales. Right. You know? I mean, you know, it's funny because everybody wants to transact and commercialize and that makes sense because we need to do that. But at the same time, every great business, you know, customer retention is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't work if the customer doesn't want to stick around, you know? Absolutely. And New York is just that place that's ahead. Mm. New York is so ahead and it's not even just like trends of of what's being worn or what the latest uh, nutritious uh, food trend is. It's, it's more like people just have a feeling. Mm-hmm. So we get people coming in the store and they have a feeling like, okay, this feels like what it should be. Right. This feels right. And that that comes from the personnel that's first and foremost the people because you know we're young people and we consume as well like we consume and we sell it's not like we're we're disconnected from the streets right we're here that's that's what i think the most interesting thing about our team was was that everybody was kind of in the streets everybody had their own thing going on and we we all brought a little bit of that together Mm -hmm. and um i got an even bigger taste of it working in jobs after yeah so 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 talk so catch me up i mean first of all you know we i want to kind of get your insights as to um some of the companies right now that you see doing things differently doing things well so on and so forth but yeah walk, walk me through it from from that experience at the store where you and I both met to today? Um, I, I also worked at Fight After Snow Peak, which okay. is a a kind of a high-end, like handmade footwear company. Also a super small team based in downtown on, on Bowery. And um, there was an even smaller company and team than Snow Peak. So I just really appreciate that, man, because I'm the type of person I'm going to pick everyone's brain who's around me. And time is just really valuable. You know, I want to learn about. I want to learn about the company I work for. It's it's. You know. If if I have the opportunity to, to be with a manager, to be with a buyer, to be with an owner, I'm going to talk to them about like what they have to go through because who knows where I'm going to end up. Mm -hmm. You know, I may be in one of those roles and I want to be eventually in that role for myself being all three, you know, um, the the main goal is kind of being my own boss someday. Absolutely. So, you know, having the small team, I got I can't I can't stress enough how great that is. And also the the product at fight was was pretty unique because 
it uh just like it being handmade by an actual shoemaker so it didn't necessarily uh it, it wasn't it was like a parallel from the fat the normal fashion calendar mm. yeah we had fall summer sp- we had fall winter spring summer but everything just felt a little bit slower and i love that because i'm one of the people who asks the question okay what for why do we need like you know eight different shows a year um why in 2021 something from 2017 is less valuable right you know so i loved fight for that reason um it was another place where i was able to be to be hands-on i was able to um form a great relationship i was able to have a lot of responsibility um help run that shop um and sometimes it'll be just me there in the store which is great because if you have one person in there if, if it's one person working like myself and then i have one person coming in then it's just me and that person in the store and we can kind of talk with no filter and i think it just makes a customer feel a lot more comfortable and safe to be themselves right and that conversation can lead to so much more beyond what the product is which can eventually also lead to to that client to that customer really becoming a client because there's a difference I, I couldn't agree with you more i mean you know uh in the life i had before you and i met it was no different in the sense that you know um s- small kind of uh specialty re- retail setting and to your point when a customer walks in and they realize that it's just you in that i mean it's so interesting because you still have this kind of professional connection in the sense that they're there, maybe they're going to spend some money, maybe not. You're representing the brand, the company, so on and so forth. But as the conversation kind of unfolds, it's obvious that like you could be at a bar, you could be in a living room with this person and you're just talking as humans. And it's, it's unique when you stop and really kind of like almost like stop the music and you just like, are like, wow, like, this is, this is me and this person on a Saturday talking about X and we've been talking about it now for like 10 minutes and both having a good time. Yep. That's how it should be. Yep. I definitely sharpened those skills, um, at those boutiques, which then led me to, uh, LRC, Lydia Rodriguez collection, which as you said, that, that one just completely stopped the music for me. Um, one of my coworkers from Snow Peak, this phenomenal young designer named Frances Balkin, she, she graduated from the Rhode Island School of Design and was showing some of her pieces at this local, um, seasonal boutique called the Lydia Rodriguez Collection. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go one day before work. You know, sometimes it's really hard to make make it to things that are temporary because the work schedule is usually the same. The the operating schedule is usually the same for a lot of stores, but I made it there. Like I had like 30 minutes before work to go. And it ended up being in this, this like apartment in Chinatown. Hmm. And 
I like walk up the stairs and I'm like, okay, where am I going? And there were like these two racks of clothes in this empty apartment. And all that was there was like uh, a table with a laptop and um, like sparkling water and, and Lydia. And I'm like, am I in the right place? But I know I'm in the right place. But honestly, that kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, no frills um, scene was actually super charming to me because, you know, everywhere in Soho is like super, super, super like high design or over design. Right. You know, overly designed things. And or or not even overly designed but trying to keep up with a with a like current trend of design right right to attract a certain like a certain like only a small like uh group of customers which is a whole nother topic but i saw i, w- I was there and i was like you know what this is really about the clothes because mm. you go in there and it's just the clothes and you go in there and it's just lydia so it's about the clothes and Lydia and she's there by herself. And I'm, uh, and of course me being me, I just pick her brain about it. And I'm like, wow, you do this by yourself. And she's like, yeah. And, you know, fast forward, I end up working with her. And that's been my most recent project that I've been working on and with. And I mean, I can't, I, can, I only have high praises for what she does. She she is the owner, the buyer, the salesperson of her salon. She runs it by herself. Wow. Um, I'm blessed to be able to work with her, whether it's on e-commerce stuff or being a salesperson or, or helping promote it or, you know, just introducing people to her. Um, and she really, really taught me the, uh, the importance of relationships because she's had clients come to her for probably 10 plus years. And those clients are now friends, you know, but they're still, they're still customers at the same time. And it happens only about twice a year. Um, it happens in, in March, April, and then it happens in October, November. So another thing that's great about it is that, it teaches you that there's no rush to buy clothes. It teaches you that you can wait for something beautiful. Mm. So it's a it's this it's this kind of counterculture to the current system of fashion, whether it's high fashion or fast fashion. There's no markdowns. There's no waste. Um, and she has a direct relationship with the designers. And also, what's really cool about it is that you know Francis's work was in there, and at the time she was still a college student, but it's in there with some companies that have been around for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years who are also in like Farfetch or Matches Fashion or Essence, like uh, Christian Wainance or Stefan Schneider. So she's there putting everything on the same playing field and I've got to give it to her. She's got the eye. She knows how to talk to people. She knows, um, how to run a business and it's it's a passion project for her but you know i think it's an example that anybody 
can kind of do something like what these big stores that a lot of us look up to are doing. Right. You know, it's just going to be on a smaller scale, but there's nothing wrong with a smaller scale because when you do something on a smaller scale, you have a lot more control and you have mm-hmm. a lot more agency with what you're doing. And what, and what is the, well said, and, and what is the website for Lydia? So Lydia's website is going to be lrcnyc.online. And her Instagram is the same at LRCNYC online. Word. Shout out to Lydia. I mean, it's always inspiring, like to hear, you know, to learn about somebody that has um, taken the appropriate steps, um, respected the process, and assembled something that's real and working, um, you know, for today and for tomorrow. I mean, it's just like, it's just like one of the coolest things, you know, when you see somebody create something that you can believe in. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's also just so great to see people support that. Right. You know, I think all of us want, a lot of us have ideas of things that we want to do. And sometimes it's just hard to get the support immediately. And if we don't see that support right away, we stop, you know, but you got You really have to persist because I'll step in that space and at LRC and there'll just be all these interesting people there who um, I, I may have never known via social media, you know, but they're all doing like really phenomenal work, whether it's uh, they're a film producer or a videographer or a stylist, you know, I think there's just so many people in the city and you gotta be persistent with what you're doing. You gotta put yourself out there. You gotta stay true to what you're doing because if you love something, if you're really interested in something, there's guarantee like at least one other, like 1 million other people are gonna be into that as well. There's too right. many people on this planet, too many people in the city. Right. No, that's, and to your point, you know, the stick to itness without sounding corny or trite, it's uh-huh. like, it's become so much more important nowadays, you know, attention economy, all that kind of stuff, where it's like, you got to commit to it. Like, you know, if you're a stand up comedian or something like that, you got to commit to that joke and just roll with it and have people say no to you or have people say yes to you. And, keep on doing it the next day. I mean, uh, comedians are are a great example for so much. Dave Chappelle is one of my favorite people on earth. No doubt. And, uh, that, that's, that's just a great example, man. Cause comedians, uh, they have to stand up in front of a bunch of people who are ready to boo them. Mm. You know, like they have to stand up to somebody and, and wow them. And they've probably gotten booed more times than they got an applause. Right. You know, and that's just kind of, uh, that's like a little example of, of what uh, life in the, the creative world especially can be like. Mm-hmm. You know, social media has has um, made everything like 40 times faster. Right. 
and it's also shed light on people so much more and quicker that I feel like it creates it creates almost it creates like a little depression in in people mm-hmm. you know because they feel like they have to to live up to whoever they idolize right away but we don't know how many like demo tapes Nirvana had before like Bleach came out mm. you know we don't know we don't know how many like vocal lessons Mariah Carey had to go through before she really found her sound. Mm. Um, Great so example. That's, huh? Great example. Exactly. You know, and um, I, I just always keep that in mind whenever I'm doing something. So in one way, social media is amazing. And the times that we're living in is amazing because resources have kind of been handed out to the people to do whatever we want to do now. Um, But at the same time, the light sometimes becomes too bright on your process. And when too many people watch your process, they'll stop you before you can make the mistake that, that helps you like progress. Right. You know, you need to be that comic that's willing to put out that joke and you're not, gonna know if people like it or don't like it unless you test it and unfortunately testing is sometimes a violent and disappointing experience but a valuable one nonetheless absolutely man and that that like kind of leads to that whole idea leads to my current projects you know it, it was it's been like lately my life has been more centered around it's been it hasn't been so centered around what I do. It's been more centered around like who I am. Mm. And that's been the catalyst for like a shift in my work that has felt so much more natural, so much more fulfilling. And it may not be as um, like the GPS on it might not be as clear for the long distance, but it's clearer for right now. You know, like what I'm doing right now feels right. And I feel like I'm working towards something. And um, part of who I am, of course, deals with like super personal things. But also part of who I am is owning up to the fact that like, yeah, I'm I'm a person who's had experience in this. I have a perspective. You know, I look at myself as like um, an interdisciplinary artist and there's no tapping out of finding inspiration there's no tapping out of wanting to place a perspective on something I see. So I just have to own up to that. And that's who I am. And, and knowing that and feeling that that makes me that more effective in any project I do, whether it's small, whether it's something like, you know, taking the reins in, in doing some graphic design for my sister's cafe, you know, like three years ago, she might've asked me to do that. And I might have been like, oh, I can't do that. But I would have sketched like 30 ideas in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, she asked me to do that now. And I just like take the reins because I own it. And, I, and I'll actually physically do, you know, six designs, 10 designs. If it's if you love it, you love it. If you don't, you don't. But now I'm learning my language. And same thing with music, which is the biggest thing for me. Um, I'm just kind of owning the fact that 
yeah, like I love music. <laughs> I love music. I love to, to make music. I love to listen to music. I have a perspective on it and I can't do, I can't do it for anybody else. I have to do it as an extension of me and I'll let the chips fall where they may. So what kind of music, I mean, not to peg it, but you know, you, you got influences, you have inspirations. I mean, how would, how would you describe the direction of the music that you're looking to make or making? Um, well, man, that's, that's always like the super loaded question. Right. But got it. Got to put it out there though. I mean, I, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm curious. The music that I'm making, like, well, one thing that I say is it's just music. That's what I tell myself. Mm-hmm. So I always remind myself not to pin pin it into any genre, not to try to to pin it so that it sounds what like the current top 40 sounds like. Mm. Um but just to have fun. Um, That's the best. So ha- having fun is first and foremost. And then and then it's about expertise, man. And it's about mastering my craft. So the first and foremost thing when it comes to the music I'm making is it's my feeling. You know? And, uh, and then after that, after I, I, I get the feeling out of there, I just kind of meticulously work on how it sounds. I'm just... I'm I'm big on music production. I'm big on like soundscapes and that's interesting to me. So I've actually been listening to um I've been going back in time, man. And I'm listening to a lot of uh first records hmm. by artists. Hmm. Because uh even though I've been making music for a little bit, I've put out a few like singles here and there on on SoundCloud and on streaming services. Um this work what I'm working on right now feels like the most me and it feels like my debut. Wow. So I've been listening to a lot of first albums by uh, artists I admire and artists who feel like I like don't compromise and were able to still nail it. So I've been listening to like Bjork, her debut album. I listened to some old LL Cool J. I listened to um, uh, Suicide's debut album listen to Hole's de- debut album. Um, just like a lot of rock and hip hop, man, because I feel like they're cousins. Mm-hmm. I feel like they always kind of want to turn their back to something and raise the volume up super loud. Right. And I feel like in this time that that we're living in right now, it, it it's one of those, it's just one of those like, decades that's coming upon us Mm -hmm. 2020 before 2020 came just sounded sounded like something new it sounded like there should be a change and then 2020 came and sure enough there was a huge change in society and as society changes that inspires me to make music that inspires me to look forward that's amazing yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, in it, in in, in to, to to put myself in your shoes in terms of that process, you know, um, the biography aspect of it is, I'm certain to a degree, kind of cathartic because you know it always feels good to make something that is genuinely from you know 
deep down in your boots kind of thing, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like you said, like, it's also you being conscious of creating in this moment and what this moment of 2020 and 2021 represents to everybody, like Mm -hmm. eyes wide open style. Absolutely, man. Like, absolutely. In In the past, I would just make music for the sake of making music. And I still do that. And it's super important to do that right just to make music like like the jazz musicians of the of the past everything that they you know were playing it wasn't necessarily for audio recording it was just to jam out um but like more recently with the stuff that i'm i'm making i feel like i i I put more of a just a little bit more intention with what i was doing and i put like a deadline on my work, which helped me just get out my feelings more mm-hmm. and quicker. And I was like, you know what? I'm cool. That's me. I got me out there and I'm going to leave it alone for now. Um, rather than trying to work to make the perfect verse, mm-hmm. you know, and saying, okay, like today this line hits me and not not revisit that until like two months later. Um, there's just to me, honestly, there's something very attractive about the immediacy that I'm working with that's also trans going to translate to the record. You know, it's like that's why I really like punk music. There's this immediacy to it and hip hop as well. There's like something so immediate about it and so in your face and that really helps the workflow. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There's, 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 there's not a lot of hiding in, no. in those genres. You just can't have it. Nah, man. Nah. Sometimes it's not so, even it, like so much like active thinking, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta feel it, man. Sometimes your feelings are, are, uh, make more sense than your thoughts. Hmm. Yeah. And you know, uh, anybody who's been a student of that world, um, you know, you, you, you really are like, I think for hip hop, especially in my view, mm-hmm. you, you, you look at some of these creators that are, that are there and, and the people that we all look up to. And I mean, I, I think we sometimes take them for granted because it's just become such a, um, I don't know, I want to say omnipresent, you know, but like when you really take a step back and you go, wow, like how many mixtapes did Lil Wayne make? Ah, man. Right? Oh, man. One of my, one of my favorite images of all time uh, is, a, a, I think it's a 2007, I forgot what month, but it's a, it's a Source magazine or Vibe magazine and Lil Wayne's on the cover. And this was like, you know, the height of Lil Wayne. And I was like, mm. I, I, amongst everybody else, was like the number one Lil Wayne fan. And the, the cover said the top 77 songs of 2007 by Lil Wayne. Wow. Like, that's, it's not a, like, it's not, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's, and it gets more and more ridiculous to, to look at the further we get away from it. Right. Because that almost, that was so normal at that time. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, 2020 hindsight, we can, we can like look at it in just a, a, a much more, a much more precious way and value it a lot more, man. Artists, artists really work hard. Really work hard. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like DMX had a lot of that in him oh, as man. well. She, he's, he's amazing, man. He had like three albums back to back to back, yep. all just shifted, shifted music. And he's another person who I would listen to because he has that immediacy. He's going to tell you what it is. He has, it's, 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 it's 99.9% feeling. Yeah. You know, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, and by the way, uh, what is the name again of your family's cafe? Standard Poor. Shout out. Shout out Standard Poor, man. Um, it's that, that's, you know, that's an amazing thing to to see to see family running business mm-hmm. uh, I think owning business is it's one it's the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to maintain but it's it's I don't know it's just you just get a certain feeling from uh, from being on the opposite side of it you know and yeah. you feel like you feel like you're chipping into you feel like you're chipping into and chipping away like into the 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 whole business of america thing you know it's like one little step and i feel like i just want to see so many more people have their own businesses that's one of the most beautiful things about the times we're living in i agree i agree yeah. it, it 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 um it inspires me to kind of think about what the mentality had to be for people like further back, you know, whatever, like starting like a bakery or something, you know, like baking, baking some, baking some bread because people eat bread and Hey, I know how to make some bread. So I'm going to make some bread every day and get good at being the bread guy or the bread woman for my community. Absolutely. It's about community. It's about community. It's about community and also mastery of mm-hmm. of a specific thing. And mm-hmm. I think those are two values that are high up on my list. Mastery and and being able to share some type of inspiration. Hmm. Yeah, no, I remember I, from our first conversation about Standard Poor. Uh, and apologies for forgetting the name because I remember you, you told me about it um, when we first chatted. But uh, about it, but yeah, I'm fascinated about that process. To your point about you know creating a business, running a business, um, having that family connection to it, which I think is important for people to sort of like appreciate a little bit more than I think they do. Um, you know, because I think these days we all get. Um, um, kind of what's the, we get a little numb to the fact that we see these companies being created overnight, you know, by these massive building block kind of organizations and, and it, and it, you know, look, it, it's a little easier when I think some of these, some of these groups can just get together and be like, all right, cool. Like, what are we going to build today? Versus, you know, historically businesses weren't created that way. It was families 
coming together and becoming excellent at something. And like, to your point, mastering that, that whatever that was, that product or that service, they, they mastered it. And it's because yeah. of that mastery that they were able to translate it into something that was scalable, transferable, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And I, th- I just feel like the, the people care a little bit more. The people mm-hmm. in the shop care a little bit more because it's not like this massive co- corporation company right. where you're you're disconnected from the higher ups, you're disconnected from learning what what like the uh, the identity of the company you're working is all about, and um, it's the same thing like how I was working in in a boutique in a boutique or working with Lydia on on LRC. You're just you're just able to everything it just feels a little bit more human and in times like this where you know if i have my phone next to me and i say a brand and i and i say that brand and on instagram you know i get 10 ads right after saying that brand or uh all just anything dealing with technology in major companies is all the more important to try to find more human ways of dealing with uh uh, consumption and business. Yeah. 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 We can't lose sight of that. I mean, and it, it, it sounds like, Oh, well, how could we ever, you know, divest ourselves from that? You know, it's, it's so intrinsic to our everyday experience. And you're like, well, not, not all the time. Right. Because let's be honest, technology from when you had your first Instagram account to your phone, listening to literally everything that comes out of your mouth. I mean, this is a diff- this is a different era, straight up, and it's going to be even that much more different in like eighteen months. And I think we all know that. Oh, man. it's it's crazy to me how fast things like are uh, evolving, you know. And it's scary a little bit because because you don't know if it's I don't, I don't know if the people behind it are trying to evolve things for the better or just trying to evolve things for for more convenience. And I think the last thing that the world needs is convenience. I think we got to dig a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. whether it's dealing with our issues in like in politics and and like social injustice or or our um, behaviors when it comes to consumerism. Like we, we got to get deeper now. We, yeah. we know that everything is at our fingertips. We know everything is touchscreen, scroll, click buy, tap to pay. But let's let's get a little bit deeper with um, what it what it means to to be human and 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 share this space, and uh, you know have have be, be able to coexist in a place and all feel valued and comfortable and and nourished. It's it's a lot of things that we gotta we gotta deal with that that there, there's space for that to exist as well along with the, the technological advances. Yeah. And and there has to be right. Like we can't, we can't have one without the other. And I think that 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 just becomes so obvious every day that we're just, you know, cruising through 2021. We're just like, look, like we, we have to, we have to correct these things. And these things are like already in a place where they've been in need of correction for a long, long ass while anyway. So it's like, you know, we gotta, we gotta get to it. Um, so to shift the topics a little, uh, you and I have, um, not recently, but you know, 
not that long ago, wrapped up our second fantasy football league together. Oh, man. Wasn't a good year for me, but. <laughs> Shout out to the Willie Beeman Bowl, number two. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, you know, shout out to everybody involved also, man. But, you know, it, it's, it stings a little bit. It always stings a little bit. You know, I think we we learned the I mean, I learned for sure because I was um, my first pick was Dalvin Cook. He he represented for Team Campbell this uh, past season. Great pick, which, man. Great pick. Which was great. Um, and at the same time, I missed out on Mahomes for I think my second pick. Uh, which would have been nice. And, and and I think I know that it's a running back um, kind of selection process at first, but man, if you can get a Mahomes on your squad, it is, uh, it is a whole nother world. Oh man. Trust me. Yeah. I, I, I missed out on him in both my leagues. He, he went earlier than expected in, in, in both drafts that I, I'm a part of, but I think I think even earlier in our draft. Yeah. You know, he's he's like two players, man. He's he's a quarterback and and a flex. Yeah. Some, some weeks. Yeah. I, I completely agree. It's um he's like I mean I I do love it when people say that watching him play is like similar to watching the, the Warriors and Steph Curry at their peak or something like that, because yeah, they make it feel like you're like, whoa, like how how were people not playing football like this ten years ago? Yeah. I mean, yeah, man. I I honestly I I love a dominant organization and a dominant sports figure. It's 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 really something that is so poetic about the game usually. Mm-hmm. You don't dominate just, you know, you you don't just dominate. You you do it in a way that really kind of makes you step back and say what is going on here Mm -hmm. and what what and why is the rest of the league not able to put a thumb on this you know and i think patrick mahomes he he's something else man he's gonna he looks like he's gonna like the next 10 years it's it's his league man yeah 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 and he and like it's just you know you watch him play and you're like, this guy is this guy is like in control of his surroundings. He seems like he's um he's focused, but he just like he, he th- there's an element of comfort there that yes. he has that you're just like, wow, how's this guy so comfortable? Yes, 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 yes. Cool under pressure, and that I think that's also um, a, a trait with uh, Steph Curry as well as you mentioned him. Mm. There's oh, just w- something, without, yeah, yeah. There's something. Uh, there's something like, I don't know. Like he seems to be moving at a slower speed. Those two just seem to be moving at a slower speed than the game. You know what I mean? Like, agreed. The the game is so slowed down for them, and everybody else is just trying to catch up to play with them. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, and. To kind of pull out a random comparison, but, you know, Wayne Gretzky would always talk about how it's important to skate to where the puck is going to be, mm-hmm. mm. you know, and, and he was like, not a big dude. I mean, I, I can't imagine he was like the fastest skater or whatever, but he just kind of was 
controlling the game. Yeah. And just like, just like Mahomes. So, um, so I know you're a big football guy. Um, and I know you're a big hoops guy. Yes, sir. What are the other sports that, that you like passionately follow? Um, well, I mean, it's really, it's really NFL and NBA, man. NBA, I'm like, super passionate about man i feel like i could i can get a job on espn you know i'll do a better job than jalen rose they just fired hmm. paul pierce there got to be some space for me <laughs> you know <laughs> i didn't even like i mean you know shout out to paul pierce he's a legend but some of his takes man i i'm like what dude what yeah it's people clear. weren't loving his takes i mean i'm sure you might have been because you're a Celtics guy so you want to you know but, he holds he holds it down. He holds it down for the Celtics. <laughs> he was entertaining, you know, but nah, I, like NBA is my jam, jam, jam. I don't follow too much, you know, too many other sports like that. I used to follow soccer a little bit, like international football. Mm-hmm. Um that that used to be my jam, but I haven't followed it as much recently. But I do love just, you know, uh dominant sports figures because mm-hmm. there's there's just a gene in them that that you want to dissect yeah you know so like whether it's a, a venus like a, a serena williams you know like just watching her play is amazing or like i i love watching um yukon's women's basketball team play um because they're like the the, the san antonio spurs of sports yeah like in general um i love watching women's basketball because i feel like their fundamentals uh really really are are there sometimes in comparison to like the college men's game right um i like watching the usa women's team play i used to love watching um like i I love watching the world cup a lot that's that's always great. Teams like Germany, France, Brazil, uh, I'm I'm huge fans of. Okay, so NBA. Um, mm-hmm. Quick prediction. I mean, Oof. for me, honestly, I can't imagine the Lakers not winning it. Um, mm. I, wow, and you're a Celtics fan. Yeah, I mean, look, I uh, I had. I think like every Celtics fan, like fairly high hopes to the start of the season. And I, I just think that they're young, you know, and I think, and I think that there's a physicality to the game that they being young are still kind of, I don't want to say playing catch up to, but it's like, you know, versus when you look at that Lakers roster, it, it's a bunch of guys that like have been there and done that and play up basketball like the Celtics have, but you know, they have they have some guys that like are athletic, know their role, can be physical. And to your point about like a Serena, I mean, I have become a bigger and bigger and bigger LeBron fan every year because how can you not be? Mm-hmm. And yep. high ankle sprains are tough Same. to tough to come back from, but you know, you have to imagine that he's going to be able to make it happen. I would, I mean, I'm not betting against him. I guess that's my, I guess that's my overarching point. Yeah, no, nah, I'm the I'm the same. I'm kind of the same way when it comes to LeBron, man. 
I've always been a LeBron fan. Day one, you know, it was it was crazy. I would love to catch him his high school games um, as like a senior. That was like kind of the the most marvelous thing on television for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like his career is amazing, and I think last year was the best I've ever seen him. Yeah. Which is is really saying something. Um, And it wasn't based off of athleticism. It wasn't based off of stats. But he's a guy that gets on the court and he's like, you know, it's the same thing with Mahomes. I feel like he just is two steps, maybe even three steps ahead of everybody else, even more so than a Mahomes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, he's just... He's the greatest floor general of all time. I and I yeah. agree with that. I agree with that. And and you know, I, I uh my I feel like my fandom of LeBron James is very similar to my fandom of Michael Jordan in the sense that I grew up as a Celtics fan. You know, my my like dad's from Boston's and when I was growing up, like Larry Bird and Parrish and McHale and these guys were on TV a lot. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like I get to be a Celtics fan, go Celtics. And then all of a sudden, you know you see the bad boy Pistons and Lakers kind of fade away a bit and the Celtics get old. And suddenly you start realizing that this, this Jordan guy is like really a, a, a gift in a sense, like a generational um, talent, obviously that, that you're like, Whoa, we're like, we're witnessing what we're witnessing right now is history. And, you know, I, I, I felt very strongly when LeBron's Miami heat ousted the Celtics in the playoffs in, in 2012. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was, I was in a tough spot when I was like, man, this is the end of the road for KG and Pierce and, you know, Rondo and these guys. And I'm like, I'm like, but it, it, it you know, and once my emotions calmed down, I was like, but it's no different than like MJ to LeBron where he was like, he's the guy and we're witnessing history yeah. with him. He is, he is hands down the guy. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Jordan guy i don't even like to play i mean he jordan to me is always going to be the greatest of all time mm, agreed, um, agreed but you got to talk about people who there's like just this clear cut yeah. greatest of their era yeah and lebron james is that um and yeah man it, it will be hard for me to pick against the lakers too when you have a healthy lebron and ad um and now you got andre drummond if they didn't get andre drummond I, I still might pick them, but I think what benefits the Lakers is size, yep. which I think is the coolest thing because the game had shifted to a guards game when it was a uh, Golden State, mm-hmm. you know, and after Golden State, it was still a guards game. It was still like a perimeter game and LeBron and AD and Dwight Howard and even JaVel McGee, they kind of changed that last season because mm-hmm. you watch them play and they'll play against like really good teams, teams I loved, like the Portland Trailblazers, who I picked to beat the Lakers in the first round. Wow. Last year. Okay. I mean, yes, I am. I'm, I'm a huge Portland fan. That's my team. I'm a huge Dame little guy. So that had some involvement in it. But, you know, I was like, man, like who's going to guard these these guards? But the, it actually turned out being the opposite that Portland really couldn't 
defend the paint, you know? Um, so it didn't matter how many threes they attempted or made because they couldn't defend the paint and they also couldn't really score in the paint. And then same thing with like the Miami Heat, who I loved, who I picked to beat the Lakers in the finals hmm. because I was riding them all season. You know, once like midseason hit, I'm like, oh, these guys are, yeah, these guys can can win the Eastern Conference. And I thought they were just playing so inspired. I thought Jimmy Butler would be able to slow LeBron down and stuff. But, you know, the Lakers were just too big. So, I mean, if there's anybody that can rival them, I would, I, I think it might be, it might be a Brooklyn Nets uh, Lakers finals. But it would also be really interesting, really, really interesting to see a, a Lakers uh, 76ers finals. I would love to see either. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I and I have um, started to, I guess, increase my my respect and fandom and whatnot for for Embiid. I think that, you know, he he's kind of had to work through like early kind of coaching situational stuff and like the roster and like who gets the, the ball when, and, you know, he was, he's, he's had to play with a lot of different guys too. Like Jimmy, you know, from the Jimmy Butler days to whatever. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's very clear though, that like he is a extraordinary talent an extraordinarily interesting personality and, um, you know, and, and, yep. and like, he's not, afra- he's not afraid. And I think that it would just be really cool to see him take that next step with his career and, um, kind of like rightly kind of deservingly. So like step onto that mantle or, or whatever for the league. Yeah, man. I mean, I watched him play when, like, as he returned from his injury and I'm just like, man, you know, what do you do with it? He's unguardable. Yeah. To me, he's yeah. he he he's looking like one of the most unguardable men, if not the most unguardable player in the league. Yeah. And the 76ers Lakers matchup, you know, you got LeBron AD and you got Ben Simmons and uh Embiid. And to me, that that's just really interesting. Um and it'll be kind it's kind of cool because it, it's just like an alternative from the the super guard heavy yep uh like league uh final situations and playoff situations and upper echelon situations that we've had in the league um, recently yeah the last couple of years and and I mean you know I I I don't discount anything that the Nets are capable of when they got those three guys you know playing at their peak they're like obviously impossible to stop you know mm-hmm. when they when they get it going but um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a, I think that there's a a, a special kind of, you know, just uh, just a special thing about remembering the old school Knicks, remembering the era when like everybody and their brother was trying to get at least two dudes on their squad that could that could just body up Shaq, and whenever the league becomes <laughs> that kind of like physical down low kind of game, the playoffs just get so much more fun. Yeah, man. And yeah, it's like you got to grind it out. Right. And you got to play defense. Mm-hmm. And 76ers, I think, are one of the best defensive teams. And I saw Doc Rivers saying, man, like Ben Simmons is the defensive player of the year by a long shot. And, you know, I think that's really 
that's really cool because he might be. I watch him play and I'm like, man, this dude. I f- like finally, I feel like Ben Simmons and and Joel Embiid are really learning how to play with each other, accept right. their roles, right. and also be very aggressive on both ends of the floor. And yep. if that's and if they can sustain that, then yeah, man. How do you you feel your Celtics have any chance at all this year to to make it to make it to the finals at least or Eastern Conference Finals? I mean, so you never know, right? They're a streaky team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Kemba, I think is amazing. I'm a huge Kemba fan. I'm a huge Jalen and Tatum fan. I. You know, I, I know every player on the squad, practice guys. Like, I think that the Celtics are exciting to watch when they're, like, playing with, with a little bit of edge. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes they're so athletically gifted and talented as just individual players that they um, have become quite a lot more – I don't want to say like something crazy, like reliant on skill because everybody's relying on skill, but like the Celtics, you know, from the KG days to the Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas, like era, you know, mm-hmm. they've played with that kind of grit and grind that people associate with like the Grizzlies or whatever. The Celtics had a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And this team is, is so talented and so young that it's just, um, you know, you can see that like that every one of these guys is like capable of getting 30, but they 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 lose a lot of games still. And yeah, man. you know, and uh and I and I think that they very well the Celtics current um roster construction, I think is gonna be a I'm calling it right now, a vastly different performing team next season. <laughs> Because, like, you know, I think we've all seen it. Like, Jalen and Tatum have sort of almost, in a sense, taken, like, every other game, one of those two dudes is dropping 40. And, hmm. and like, as a fan, that's exciting. And you're like, man, these guys are really good. And they are. Like, they got two of the top 12, 15 guys in the league, maybe, in those, in those two players. Like, certainly top 20, especially if you're talking about guys that are, like, young. And, like... Robert Williams does not get enough, like, I don't know, just hype because that guy is an incredible passer, you know, um, and you put him in the dunker spot um, with the shooting that they have and the Celtics are like a very exciting team. But what they are lacking at the moment um, is like they're lacking that PJ Brown guy. They're lacking that uh Tony back. That Tony Allen guy, right? Like yeah. the dude who's just like, look, like this is my role on this squad and I'm going to D up the other team's best player um and if I have like 7 points at the end of the night, it's going to be like the most valuable 7 points. Um and 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 I'd like to see a guy like Romeo Langford become that kind of guy because I think that he does have the ability to become an elite defender. Um, yeah. but it, again, I, I think that the Celtics current roster construction is good. And, and a lot of people clown on Danny Ainge for a lot of stuff that he's done, but like, please, you, you cannot say that Danny Ainge is anything but like a top, top, top GM. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, no Celtics organization is, it's, 
it's tough. It's been it's been amazing since I started watching basketball, and they had like Antoine Walker, right, and and Paul Pierce, and and like Walter McCartney, and all these players. Um, and I actually thought that uh, Marcus Smart, in my opinion, was the defensive player of the year last year. I'm with you there. I um, say, I say give it to Marcus Smart every year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what he does is is phenomenal for his size. Yep. You know, like he he's amazing. It's really tough for the Celtics, man. I feel like they're they're trying to to put pieces together and it hasn't, you know, like since like I'll say the Kyrie mm-hmm. situation, it's been like a lot of, you know, trying to like 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 Lego. Yep. And and Tetris and it hasn't just worked out, but Man, to have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they are. I mean, the Celtics might be the most fortunate in terms of of like young players right. that they have, because J- Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum could very well be Kawhi and, and and Paul George for many years in this league. I mean, or I mean, dare I say, and and I don't mean to sound silly, like Jordan and Pippen. Even I mean, I mean, the sky's the limit for those dudes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. like, how old is Jason Tatum? You know, like, yeah, man, the sky is the limit for those dudes. But I feel like when you have two wing players, you know, you it's it's tough, man, to 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 gel. It, it is because they you they end up taking turns from, yeah. from the perimeter, and and I think that they've both been a lot better in terms of shot selection and getting to the rim and getting to the line and things like that. But like. You know they they take turns and yeah you know I'm not I'm not some sort of expert on X's and O's with, with regards to hoops and I'm not going to pretend like I'm Tex Winters talking about the triangle offense or whatever but like <laughs> I feel like the Celtics kind of need a little bit of like hey this is what the Bulls did when they had Jordan Pippen you know uh, Ron Harper um, some dudes that can like they can create their own shot and the Celtics have that. Yeah. You know, they have three elite people to get guys that can create off the dribble and get and get to the rim. And most teams like are lucky to have one. The Celtics have three. But yep. but like they need to still play within the flow. And I and I just feel like that's that's why that's why I feel like they're at least a season away. Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. They they need there, there's something missing. There's something missing. Whether it's whether it's like I don't know changing up the system a bit, or getting like like it it would be cool for them I feel like to have a big man that is like gifted in the pick like really really gifted in the pick and roll and mm-hmm. can kind of play a Valanciunas or a Nurkic Jokic kind of role where they're at they can extend the defense a little bit mm-hmm. and make the right pass to mm-hmm. those guys like Jalen Brown and. And Jason Tatum, I think that kind of player would do them justice. Yeah, and 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 again, I, I personally think, I mean, I personally think that Rob Williams can become that guy. Mm. Um, you know, I don't want to postulate on 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 injuries and things like that, but he had a like a pretty significant hip injury that I think is still something that has like kept him playing more of a athletic role and less of like like banging, banging bodies with people. I think that, you know, like 
it's a physical getting a rebound in the NBA is a physical thing. And, and you, you, you can't be seeking to protect your body. If, if you're going to be one of those, one of those kinds of guys, like you're describing, who's like, you know, almost kind of like operating the offense from, from, from close to the basket. And I think that Rob Williams can do that, but I just think that a lot of times you look and you're like, man, it, it almost seems like he's still maybe not trying to aggravate that hip injury again. And I don't blame him because he wants to stay in the court a little bit more. That's, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know that. So that wasn't like fresh in my mind. So I hope that he does, you know, kind of recover from that and, and gain some more confidence so he can turn into that player a bit more because I do like his game. Yeah. Oh, I love his game. And, 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 you know, at A&M, he was like a amazing defensive stalwart. And I mean, he's, I think, one of those guys who's just great at blocking a shot, you know, and, and a lot of that is just instinct as to timing and, you know, all that kind of thing. But um, yeah, you, 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 you watch some of these games where he's, you know, feel I don't want to say like feeling his way through, but like he knows that he's not the first option and he's not trying to be. And at the same time, like he can put it on the floor a little bit. He's an amazing passer. And I think that, uh, you know, his, his, as his confidence grows, he can be like a even more skillful and athletic version of like a Ben Wallace. Wow. Wow. Big name right there. Yeah. I think that's name. my, that's my prediction for, for, for Rob Williams third, man. I'm going to look out for him then. I, and I'm going to get back to you. If he, if, if he gets that like defensive player of the year or he's like really shining, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot you that text or call and be like, yo, you called it. <laughs> All yeah. right. You know, I'm happy, I'm happy to, uh, I'm happy to wear that badge. Yeah. I've got, I've been a big fan of his, um, since since they picked him up and and I'd like to see the the Celtics um I don't know just uh you know I, I I wanted I wanted to see them kind of get more get more players that are sort of in that mold of like guys that you know you're like wow like if if this guy develops this game like he's really going to be a special talent to have out there versus like you know Ainge went for this guy at Vanderbilt this past uh draft Naismith who was like shooting 50 plus percent from the three point line in college. But to your point about the game and how it shifts, I mean, even though it's been very wing heavy and, you know, dependent on the three ball and everyone's like taking like statistically speaking, like five X, the number of threes that they used to, um, you know, all that's fine and good. But if, if you just got dudes like standing around the perimeter, you're not, you're never going to beat a team that's got a Joel Embiid. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Nope. 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 So, okay. So shift into football here. NFL, yeah. NFL draft, like always one of my most like, like just since I was a kid, like NFL draft was synonymous with like a holiday for real. Oh, wow. I mean, I just think that when you look at the families and mm. the stories of, of like how each one of these players came up and, you know, the, you, you got, ESPN obviously is just like their bread and butter are these kind of tearjerker stories about how like certain dudes had to go through X, Y, and Z to get to that point in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, true. You know, but, and I, I don't know if I, I ever mentioned this to you, but um, I was very blessed in the sense that I, um, one of the Heisman Trophy winners, Rashawn Salam, RIP, was one of my best friends growing up. And um, 
I was actually seated next to Rashawn when he got drafted by the Bears. Um, and oh, wow. And I was – yeah, because um, I'm very good friends with his brother, Jabali, but um, I played – I played football in college and Rashawn was still playing. So we would like train together. And like, next thing you know, he was like kind of a, a fixture at most of the events that, that my old company would do. And, um, but point I'm trying to make is like that moment of somebody being on the couch and getting their, their cell phone, you know, lighting up with whatever, whatever team is calling them and saying like, yo, you're going to, you're going to play for the bears or in his case, it was the bears. And he wanted to get drafted by the Raiders so badly. And mm. the Ra- the Raiders opted for Napoleon Kaufman at a, at a Washington who uh, was an amazing athlete, had a, had a like uber fast 40, but Le- Le- Rashawn was still running a four, four. And what's crazy. Yeah. And just to give you a, a little tidbit about the kind of athlete that Rashawn is, or, um, uh, this would be January of 2007 and it, we were doing a, the second photo shoot like ever, uh, for my, for my old company. And, um, I had two friends there, uh, that I, that ran track and played football with me at Dartmouth and, uh, both guys are actually from New York. Um, one of them, Richard, uh, uh, was, was in our fantasy league. And, and so like Richard, Richard ran a legit, like, kind of high four, three. I mean, Richard was quick. He, I think he held the record in the 60 meter dash for Dartmouth for a minute, but, uh, that's fast. Yeah. Four, four, three range, man. Yeah. I mean, Richard, Richard was, is a special athlete. And, um, and so Richard was talking some shit to Rashawn, right? He was just like, he was like, yo, like, come on, man. Like you're like, kind of passed it. And Rashawn was like having a couple beers and hanging out and whatever. And, uh, Rashawn's just like, yo, like, all right, let's, let's go race. Let's go race right now in the parking lot. And, hmm. and, and I'm like watching this and I'm like, God, man, like, you know, Rashad had been like, he was kind of one of those dudes. It was like, it was like impossible for him to be in like bad shape. But, mm-hmm. but you look at him you're like, all right, like this is a guy who's been hanging out for the last couple of years. He's not fresh out of Dartmouth track. <laughs> Word. You know what I mean? And he's got jeans on, he's got a polo shirt. And Richard's like, you know, he's in shape. And um, Rashawn takes off his shoes and socks in the parking lot, jeans on, rolls up, cuffs the jeans just a little bit. And he's just like, yo, I'm going to go when you go. And we like set it up and everybody got outside. And I could not believe my eyes that I'm not going to say that Rashawn smoked Richard, but he had him by like well over a stride. Wow, and man. you know what I mean, and like, and this is a crazy comparison, and 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 I apologize to to Rashawn, but he would know what I'm saying if if you hear me saying this, and that is when Brian Scalabrini was challenged like on Instagram the other day, and by this whatever kid was just like, yo, let's let's play one on one, Brian Scalabrini, and Brian Scalabrini just was like, okay. And like you see this guy go into like professional athlete mode. No yep. different, no different than like Rashawn just being like, yo, I got jeans on right now and I'm going to like outrace you in this parking lot from here to there barefoot in jeans because I'm going into pro athlete mode right now. 
it's 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 such a difference man oh my gosh it's it's such a difference it's like yo I, so much respect i have a friend who um you know i played in high school with him and when i was a senior he was like maybe a, he was a sophomore and i was playing on varsity you know i was good on varsity and he was good on jv but they, we brought him up for like playoffs just for him to get some experience and stuff mm-hmm. and he like you know, after I left high school, he he just went well, took off, man. He was really like really turned into a great player, and he ended up playing um, at Queens College, playing really good, and he ended up now playing professional ball in Puerto Rico. Wow! And you know, he comes back every now and then, and in the off season, and I play with him at the gym. And you know, I still got I still got a little like some some juice in me. Okay, and it was actually. In the midst of of uh, me actually training a lot, like like right, but like a little bit before the pandemic, I was I was like, you know what, man, I really would just want to get my shots up, and before my body starts deteriorating, I want like one last go around where I'm I'm busting ass, mm. <laughs> you know, and I'm playing him one on one, and effortlessly, man, like he's hitting me with the the Luka Doncic step back, money 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 from like Steph range and this is a dude who isn't even in the starting five on his puerto rican pro team wow and I, you'll be surprised if the dude missed yeah a contested shot you know you'll, you'll be relieved when he missed a contested shot just so you have a chance to even get a shot up yeah no i so, guys yeah, at that so level it, yeah, man. So it's just really different. You got to like really give some respect to, to dudes who even like touched the pro atmosphere, mm. you know? Uh, un- unquestionably. I mean, it's just like, it is such a different amount and combination of the skill, the finesse, the physicality, and they can like, you like fluidly just like make it happen. And, yep. and again, I mean, like, I have such respect for the athletes and the artists that are, you know, just so preternaturally gifted to be able to just like synthesize that kind of life on the fly. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. Absolutely, man. All respect to those guys. So uh, on the note of you working out, um, Hmm. a little, little kind of like, you know, I think that we all can, can appreciate that this last sort of 12 months, there's been a lot of, wellness efforts there's been a lot of self-improvement kind of stuff is we're all kind of like working on something from home or whatever um so any workout wellness or book recommendations um i think movement first and foremost is is important uh you know everyone kind of works out on a different level um i get inspired by pro athletes and the kind of uh, regimen that they do, but I know I'm not always going to like, you know, hit that same standard. So I try to just do what's best for me. And I think doing what's best for you is the best thing that you can do because that's the thing that you can sustain the longest. Um, so movement, that being said, movement is important. Just like going for a walk. If you can go for a walk every day Mm -hmm. for at least 30 minutes, it's incredibly important. If if you can, if you're at your desk, um, try to like, you know, get a standing desk and like stand up 
so you're not sitting down all day because that's that's just stagnation and that's just not good for for your joints it's not good for blood flow it's not good for your muscles you're going to just get weaker and weaker um if you can go for a jog that's amazing it's and it's not only amazing for the body but it's amazing for the mind you know it's 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 been very meditative for me and uh when it comes to food man just eat real food as much as you can it's it's another thing that i feel like is is not only great for the body but it's great for mood um mm. you just feel a whole lot better go to the supermarket go to the farmers market make it into something fun you know uh pick up a vegetable that you've never heard of before ask the person behind behind the counter about it and incorporate that into what is probably you know your 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 normal routine uh when it comes to making dinner and it it just keeps some excitement in your life within like something as as ordinary as like eating food yeah um and just like learn about what you're eating if you can learn about an ingredient in in the food that you're eating like the packaged food that you're eating it just gives you a little bit more more knowledge about stuff man it's like there's there's not too many industries where you know exactly what's in or like the, what the process is of what you're consuming food we still have the luxury of like like alcohol is different they don't necessarily need to put the ingredients in there but in food you can literally find out what exactly is it is that you're putting into your body and that's super empowering um so that's what i got to say in terms of wellness man doing something that is that can be sustainable because you don't want to overexert yourself with anything and then you only do it for a week or you only do it for two weeks and then on top of that you have stress from feeling that you weren't able to accomplish something um in terms of of uh books man a book that i really love that's just always sticking in my mind is this book called um another country by james baldwin which is just a beautifully written novel about um new york city in the 1950s and it has like i think it's about 6 to 8 main characters and it goes really in depth into these characters lives what they're thinking and they all get entangled in some way and it's just one of the like i feel like if it was made into a movie it would be one of the greatest dramas ever if the right director picked it up because the story the language is that good hmm. and i also just love i love books about old new york it's is something special about it so it's set in in greenwich village harlem and also in paris wow great 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 book um and it talks a lot of, about a lot of taboo things that you know were going on at the time like whether it had to do with race or or sexuality and it also 
you know, follows a lot of people in creative industries, um, writers, actors, um, uh, playwrights. And I think that's really interesting because it, it follows their process and their insecurities and their anxiety behind what everyone looks at to be like such a glorious um, profession. Right. You know? Right. So yeah. that's a great, that's a great book right there. Yo, much appreciated. I mean, um, I'm going to pick that one up. I look forward to, uh, to digging into that. I, I've, I've been meaning to get more Baldwin on my bookshelf, if that makes sense. Oh, that's a great, great, great Baldwin one, man. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've been more like reading autobiographies. Like I'm a big autobiography guy, mm. but Love this one is, yeah, man. Um, but this one is, is great because I mean, it's, it's just really good when a book takes you away to this alternate reality, but you, it still draws from so many thoughts that we have ourselves about life, about quote unquote, making it, um, about love, about friendship, about trust. It, it, it really encapsulates so much. Well, look, thank you. Not only for the book recommendation, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, picking that one up, but yes. obviously oh, wait. just to cut you off real quick. Also yeah. watch Minari. Okay. If anybody like, that's a great movie that's, that's out right now. You can stream it. If you can find a theater and watch it safely, you know, it's in, it's in theaters now, but, um, Minari is a great, a great movie about this Korean family who moves to like middle America and try And the dad is trying to like start up a farm. His, his hmm. dream is to have land and to have a farm. And it's, it's a beautiful movie. Thank you. I was just going to say, uh, recommendations are always so great. Uh, they're, they're, yeah. they're such a beautiful gift. Um, and I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate, you know, us being able to get together and taking the time to, to connect on, on all, on all this. It's always a lot of fun. Yeah. Always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. Well, yo, enjoy, uh, the rest of your Monday. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to connecting uh, again soon, as always. Thank you, man. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll connect soon. Talk soon. All right, man. All right, man. Take care. All right. Peace.